It's the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL with you. Midday Monday, August the 26th, also known as Depth Chart Day at the University of Alabama. That's right. A tradition unlike any other in college football that day when Nick Saban issues the initial depth chart for an upcoming season. This one in advance of the Crimson Tides matchup with the Duke Blue Devils over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta on Saturday. Kickoff set for right around 2.30 p.m. Central. Uh, Again, though, the big news of the day, uh, a better idea, at least, of what you're going to see from this Alabama football team uh, in its season opener against a Duke team that won eight games last year, uh, won the Independence Bowl, I guess, over in Shreveport, Louisiana, hammering a decent Temple team in the process. So uh, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. But really, I mean, if we're being honest about things here, and we try to do that here on the Built by Bay online podcast, uh, this is more about Alabama right now. And that's going to be the case in all likelihood for the first couple of games of the season until we see the Crimson Tide take to the road mid-September for that matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks over at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia. The last place, the last place in the SEC East to host a loss for the Alabama Crimson Tide against an SEC Eastern Division team. 2010, Columbia, South Carolina, Stephen Garcia, Marcus Lattimore, Alshon Jeffrey, you know how it went. South Carolina is the last team from the SEC East to record a win over the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that's really what you're sort of pointing towards. Yes, again, you respect Duke, you respect David Cutcliffe, you respect the fact that a year ago this team won eight games, uh, but with the losses that Duke had, especially at the quarterback position, but really the offense in general when you look at Duke, and we'll do more of that at BamaOnline.com coming up throughout the week, uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, there's a reason why Alabama is a 34.5-point favorite in the football game on Saturday. But we do want to go more in-depth now that we have. We have that actual depth chart in our greasy grimy little paws and what we'll do is sort of take a look at it from a couple of different perspectives I always think one of the first things I really look at when this depth chart comes out on an annual basis is probably the newcomers the true freshmen that are listed and looking at what we have here on this Monday looks like 15 true freshmen listed on sort of a two slash three deep. There's some areas of the depth chart where there's two lines, a two deep. And then even in some of those instances, there's three players because as we know, the slash is a big part of a Nick Saban depth chart. And as he said on Monday at his noontime news conference, in those situations where there is a slash, it used to be an or. Remember when there were ors uh, on the depth chart? Well, the last few years, it's been more slash. Um, Where there are slashes, that's typically where you could still have an ongoing competition. And why wouldn't you list it that way? You know, these guys, listen, these players know what this depth chart looks like. They know what's going out to the media and what's going to be circulated among the fan base and the media and everything else. And so it serves a couple of purposes. I think it's honest in that I can definitely see in some of these areas we're going to talk about 
there is ongoing competition, especially the interior of the offensive line, but you're also trying to keep the carrot in front of the horse in some of these cases, especially where there are veterans, I would say, that are still trying to establish a role of some kind, maybe a couple of three years into their UA career. So again, it makes sense on multiple levels, but yeah, when you look at the true freshman from the class of 2019, I don't think it's a big surprise to see 15 guys listed on this depth chart. It, it, you know, on both sides of the ball and certainly in the kicking game as well. I think if there's a surprise based on recruiting rankings, it's that there's a guy or two that you would have anticipated being on this initial depth chart that isn't there. And I think you start with the defensive line. No surprise, really, to see guys like uh, Justin Aboigby, Byron Young, uh, DJ Dale listed as the starting nose guard. Um, Those three true freshmen are of the eight, of the eight defensive linemen listed on the depth chart. Three of them are true freshmen, Aboigby, Byron Young, DJ Dale. Probably a little bit of a surprise. Again, if we talked about five or six months ago looking ahead to this, there probably would have been a surprise not to see Antonio Alfano. As we know, Alfano in the last week or so had to take a couple of three personal days to tend to some business. Uh, He has since returned to the football team, but he is not listed uh, on this initial depth chart. Not seen Ismail Softshire, uh, another highly coveted defensive line prospect. But as a summer enrollee, I'm never surprised not to see to not see a lineman on an initial depth chart, especially when you're talking about the defensive line. Now, Aboigby, uh, Alfano, DJ Dale, these are guys that were early enrollees. And a boy be here in the last four or five days has sustained a foot injury. Nick Saban commented on that on Monday. Doesn't think that it is one of those long-term situations for Justin Aboigby. Listed him as questionable for Saturday's game against Duke, but you still see Aboigby slash Byron Young at the one defensive end spot behind LeBron Ray. So that's where you see a couple of those true freshmen. Um, otherwise, about what you would expect, I would say. Uh, from that perspective. I don't know if many people had Christian Harris as the starter at the Will linebacker position uh, on this initial depth chart, but that's what we've seen uh, here on Monday to go along with Dylan Moses starting at the mic. Uh, You also have another true freshman in that mix behind Dylan Moses at Mike linebacker and Shane Lee. So with the big term, big, uh, big picture prospects, at inside linebacker, it's not all that hard to start thinking ahead to, say, 2020 and thinking that your duo might very well be, again, connecting dots based on what we're looking at right here on paper, you know, Shane Lee at Mike Linebacker and perhaps Christian Harris at weak side linebacker in 2020 um, would be a duo, I think, that would sort of resemble what we've seen in recent years from the likes of Sean Dion Hamilton and Rashawn Evans when you had those two guys together. So just something to consider for the future. But the front seven, we talked about the defensive line, Raquan Davis, totally expected him to be a starter at the one defensive end. That's exactly the way it is on paper. Uh, at nose guard behind DJ Dale, you've got Stefan Wynn, who has been out uh, for a week or so uh, with that ankle injury. And uh, saw him on Saturday 
prior to the practice inside the Hank Crisp indoor facility. And Stefan Wynn uh, was in full gear, but in a black non-contact jersey and looked like he had that right ankle pretty heavily taped. So we'll see exactly what Stefan Wynn's status is uh, for Duke uh, as we move throughout the week. Tavita Musica, the junior college signee from 2018, he's a slash as a backup with Stefan Wynn to DJ Dale there at nose guard. Fedarian Mathis. Now, here's the thing with Fedarian Mathis. He's listed as the backup to Raekwon Davis, but as we know, we've seen Fedarian Mathis last season play a lot of snaps on the nose. So you got to be careful in some of these instances just to sort of think that, well, this is the way it'll work in order if it comes down to it, because I think there's a real possibility that if needed, um, Fedarian Mathis could be a guy against Duke that you see both at end and at nose tackle in that game because so many of these guys uh, cross-train between multiple positions, whether it's the defensive line, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Uh, Even in the secondary now, you're seeing more and more guys that are learning multiple roles offensively, uh, guard and tackle, guard and center, uh, wide receivers expected to know all three of the primary positions there that Alabama employs, tight end and H. It's really across the board. You're even seeing it now in the kicking game with a guy like Will Reichard coming on board who can handle both field goals and punting. So it's it's universal in the sport these days, uh, regardless of which of the three phases of the game you're talking about. So the outside linebackers, as we've given you kind of the rundown at, at the defensive line and inside linebacker spots, Shane Lee slash Markel Benton behind Dylan Moses, Jalen Moody slash Ali Cahoe behind Christian Harris. And again, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, you know Dylan Moses is going to be on the field every down. Where it will be interesting on Saturday is to see if Christian Harris is the base and the nickel guy. Or is there a base inside linebacker, say Shane Lee, that goes with Dylan Moses? And then maybe you see Christian Harris in the nickel. Uh, So those are still some things that will be uh, interesting to watch play out uh, come game day. But at outside linebacker, Anthony Jennings listed as the starter at Jack. Absolutely no surprise there. He's headed into his third year as a starter. Behind Jennings, you got a slash there. Ben Davis, fourth year in the program. We're seeing Ben Davis on the two deep. He is a slash to go along with King Makuta the true freshman, that could very well be a situational option. Uh, when you get into dime rabbits, you get into obvious passing situations, one of those true freshmen to keep an eye on Saturday at the strong side linebacker. And again, these are kind of interchangeable when you talk about Jack and Sam because Terrell Lewis can certainly play the Jack. And Terrell Lewis uh, in dime situations or nickel situations – Uh, If there's just one outside linebacker out there, and that's typically referred to as the Jack, um, he could certainly be that guy along with Anthony Jennings. But you got Terrell Lewis listed as the starter at Sam, Christopher Allen, both those guys coming off ACL injuries, Christopher Allen, the backup at the Sam to Terrell Lewis. Now, in the secondary, we talk about freshmen making an impact, and this is where you see a good bit of them uh, in the two-slash-three deep uh, at both corner Uh, safety, and again, situational roles like money, like star. Uh, But I think it's pretty interesting just on paper to look at how this is being presented headed into Duke. I mean, not a surprise to see Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertan listed 
as the two starting corners. Uh, Xavier McKinney at free safety, you totally expect that. Uh, but strong safety is a slash at the top of the depth chart with Shaheem Carter and Jared Maiden. That's a competition that's been going on really since spring. Um, we've seen Jared Maiden a great deal with the first team defense. Uh, we've seen Shaheem Carter at both safety and star a good bit with the second group. Um, and then at the star position on the depth chart, you've got Shaheem Carter slash Patrick Sertan. Uh, and really what we've seen is Patrick Sertan. At the star, again, going back to spring drills, although it was Trayvon Diggs that we saw at the position uh, in the first half of the 2018 season before Diggs went down with the season-ending broken foot. Um, So, again, based on situation Saturday, something to keep an eye on because I think that's probably as much to do with how this is being broken down on the depth chart as anything else because at the one corner – you're seeing Patrick Sertan slash Josh Job, And while I'm sure, and I know that Josh Job has made some really, really nice strides at corner, uh, and I think he is very much considered to be a starter right there along the lines of Patrick Sertan and also Trayvon Diggs, you know, that could be as much about when Alabama goes to its nickel, Josh Job is a starter in the nickel and the dime packages, assuming Sertan goes to star, but... As we know, as we saw last year with Shaheem Carter, you know, package to package, it's possible that Carter, who a year ago initially was the star in the nickel and a safety in the dime. Well, when Diggs went out, Carter became exclusively the star defensive back, nickel and dime. Uh, so we know that Shaheem Carter has that ability to bounce and move between packages to both the safety and star positions. Again, from a depth standpoint, a lot of freshmen here. A lot of freshmen in this secondary. Jalen Armour Davis, a redshirt freshman behind Trayvon Diggs, slash Scooby Carter, a true freshman. Uh, behind Sertan and Job at the one corner, you got a true freshman and Marcus Banks. Uh, behind Xavier McKinney at free safety, you've got Daniel Wright, a veteran, slash Jordan Battle. Uh, then at strong safety, Shaheem Carter, Slash Jared Maiden. And then behind those two guys, you've got DeMarco Hellams, a true freshman. And then you've got Jalen Armour Davis listed as the third star defender on this depth chart as well. So Nick Saban on Monday mentioned specifically both Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams when talking about depth providers at safety. And as you would expect, given that Special teams coverage and return units draw largely from positions like safety, running back, wide receiver, um, tight end, that uh, Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams sound like good bets to be involved on special teams first and foremost against Duke on Saturday. Now let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. and We talked about that offensive line and kind of the different combinations we've been presenting that to you throughout the offseason, the spring. Although in the spring, it was pretty much consistent, you know. When Matt Womack was able to go, he was the right guard. Chris Owens was the center. Uh, and then at left guard, you were looking at Emil Echior. Well, you add a couple of guys. Evan Neal was actually on hand in the spring, worked primarily with the second-team offense at left guard. You've added Landon Dickerson from Florida State over the summer, uh, who has obviously been impressive 
during his short time on campus. You still have Womack in that mix, but when you go left guard to right guard on the depth chart handed out by UA on Monday, you've got a slash situation at left guard on the first team with Emil Echior and Evan Neal. At center, you've got a slash situation with Chris Owens and Landon Dickerson. And then at right guard, you got another slash. You got Landon Dickerson slash Matt Womack. So we feel like we know who the primary players are at this point. But what all these slashes kind of tell us is that this thing might be going into game week. And depending on how the first three play on Saturday, and also that there's a likelihood that we'll see uh, some rotation perhaps there from guard to guard in the game Saturday. Uh, When you've got this much slash with your first team guards and center and in each of those three spots, that's what you've got on Monday of game week. Now it's easy to envision a scenario where, look, if it is Evan Neal at left guard to open the game, it is Chris Owens at center and it is Landon Dickerson at right guard. um, There's still a likelihood or a probability that we could see Matt Womack. Uh, come in there and play some right guard in the game, or vice versa with Dickerson. Uh, Same for Emil Echior and Evan Neal at left guard. So it's really a good news situation is the way I take it because we're not even talking about Deontay Brown yet because he's sitting out the four-game suspension. So you feel good enough. There's times when you've got a lot of slashes maybe on that first team where you're like, well, there's a lot of guys involved because they don't have three that can really play. I think this is one of those scenarios where Alabama feels really good about four or five, six guys. And so they're going to let this thing continue to play out. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? The tackles, obviously, you know who those guys are going to be. And Alex Leatherwood on the left side and Mo- Matt Womack at right tackle. I mean, excuse me, Jedrick Wills at right tackle. Matt Womack might be sort of the swing guy. You know, if he doesn't start at guard, uh, there's a good chance he could be the next guard in. Uh, If he doesn't start at tackle, which he isn't, but you lose, say, Jedrick Wills or you have Alex Leatherwood go down, Matt Womack, the veteran redshirt senior, could very well be that next lineman in. So that tells you that it's not just about starter status when it comes to value. There's a lot of value in having a guy who started 14 games at right tackle two years ago that if you get into a bit of an injury situation at guard or even more so at tackle, you've got a a guy that you can go there. I don't know if if he's the long-term solution at tackle. Uh, If you lost a guy like Wills or uh, Leatherwood for an extended period of time, because at the same time, Evan Neal is an outstanding young talent that you could possibly move out to tackle. Um, You're also looking at the potential for a true freshman like Pierce Quick, who's listed as a uh, slash backup at right tackle, along with Tommy Brown there. We've seen Pierce Quick mostly at guard, but he can play a couple different spots as well. Tight end, saw some of this on Saturday during the media viewing period. So not a big surprise to see the listing the way it is. Uh, on this Monday, with Miller Forrestall first, Major Tennyson second, Giles Amos slash Cameron Latou on that third line. That's sort of the order we saw Saturday during the inside drill that we reported on in our practice report following the workout, the media viewing periods at Saturday's practice anyway. What we saw was Miller Forrestall more in an H role with 
Major Tennyson uh, lined up in line with his hand on the ground. Then the next group we saw was Giles Amos kind of at that motion move H guy uh, with Cameron Latou in more of the traditional tight end spot. So that is about what we expected. You still have Jalil Billingsley, the true freshman that you're bringing along. Uh, Michael Parker is a, another guy there. So you've got six tight ends right now, uh, and they're all scholarship guys, as we know now, with Giles Amos going from walk-on to scholarship here in the last week. Quarterback, exactly what you expected to a Tonga Vailoa. Mac Jones, Talia Tonga Vailoa there in the third spot. Uh, running back, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. Uh, Jerome Ford listed in order, one, two, three on those lines. Then you get to Keelan Robinson and also Chadarius Townsend, the true freshman, Keelan Robinson, to go along with Chadarius Townsend. As we know, Trey Sanders uh, lost for an indefinite period of time with the foot injury early in fall camp. So that's the way it sets up at running back. The wide receiver positions at the Z, which uh, for the leatherheads out there, the old schoolers, the Z is the flanker position back in the olden days. Um, Henry Ruggs III and John Mechie, one, two there. At the X, which uh, the Leatherheads used to refer to as the split end, uh, you've got Devontae Smith, Tyrell Shavers, second team, and then Xavier Williams, third. And then in that H, which is a slot position, uh, you've got Jerry Judy slash Jalen Waddle. How about Jalen Waddle? And then Slade Bolton also, which is good news that you're seeing some of these receivers from the last couple of three classes. Tyrell Shavers, of course, was in that same class with Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs III, and Jerry Judy. You're seeing him on that second line now. You're seeing Xavier Williams from uh, the class after that on the third line. Slade Bolden you're seeing. Uh, from a year ago in there as well. So uh, John Mechie, most recently from the class of 2019 on the second line there behind Henry Ruggs III. So no huge surprises there. Now we get into special teams. Talk about a freshman impact. What about Will Reichert? He is listed as the starting place kicker uh, going into Duke. And Joseph Bulovis, the incumbent, listed as the second teamer. Holding, you've got Tua Tonga Bailoa and Mac Jones, um, saw more of Mac Jones over the second half of last season. Seemed like after Tua had an injury or two, uh, we saw Mac. So we'll see how that plays out as the season moves along. Uh, your punter, Skylar DeLong slash Will Reichard. And we've wondered for quite a while now if Will Reichard might just make a clean sweep of everything related to kicking the football for Alabama in 2019. Well, the true freshman is in a slash situation with Skylar DeLong at punter. Um, and I've talked about this in, in, in the last weeks or whatever. Um, you know, I, I totally could envision for a while now Will Reichard handling it all. And if he doesn't or he didn't, I can envision a scenario, if it is Skylar DeLong that gets the nod initially at punter, that leash, that rope, wasn't going to be very long. So that's what this tells me. Okay, it may be scoured along to start the Duke game, but if he struggles along the lines of what we saw from him a year ago, uh, a stretch that culminated with his benching following the Missouri game, 
Last October, following a 12-yard shank on homecoming night in that one, uh, Will Reichard could be in line quickly to uh, take over the punting as well. And you know, there's going to be pressure on Will Reichard to get the job done in the place kicking. I know you know, we're going to look at this and say, well, that's it for Joseph Boulevis. Well, stuff happens with place kickers, as we know. So I wouldn't write off Joseph Boulevis just yet. Who knows? Maybe still on kickoffs we could see him uh, coming up here. Uh, but as Nick Saban said on Monday, just the arrival of Will Reichard and the injection of Reichard into the punting and the place kicking uh, has helped both Skyler DeLong and Joseph Boulevis because the status quo for those two guys wasn't going to get it done uh, with Reichard on campus for 2019. Snapper is Thomas Fletcher. No other snappers listed. We did see Gabe Pugh, a true freshman at camp, along with Fletcher. Uh, Gabe Pugh, a product of Northridge High School right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, punt returners, as expected, Jalen Waddle listed on the first line, averaged over 14 yards per return last year, including one for a touchdown. And then you also have uh, Trayvon Diggs as the second punt returner there. And Trayvon's done it, as we know in the past. Kickoff returns. Now, you've got three guys that are separated by two slashes. And these are what Saban refers to as on-return guys. In other words, these are the guys they want returning the football. Henry Ruggs III is listed first, slash Trayvon Diggs, uh, slash uh, Jalen Waddell. Now, your off-return guys, which a lot of times running back types, going to be more of a blocker in, in those situations. You've got Brian Robinson, who handled that role a year ago, and Najee Harris. So there you go. That's your kicking game. That's your defense. And that's your offense. So I think we just about covered the depth chart. And so from a freshman standpoint, true freshman, you're looking at 15 true freshmen by my count on this depth chart uh, issued by Alabama. To put that sort of in perspective, in the Louisville game to open the 2018 season, Alabama played 11 true freshmen. So just going by this depth chart, I think it's safe to say Alabama very well may eclipse the 11 from the Louisville game in Orlando last season and maybe by more than just a a little bit. And part of that, of course, has to do with the four-game redshirt rule you have now. That's something very nice to have in your back pocket because in that Louisville game last year, we saw some guys, even in that game, uh, that really didn't play much at all, if at all, after that game. You know, Jerome Ford played in four games. Louisville was one of them. I think Slade Bolden, though, the only game he played in last year was maybe Louisville. Um, so you had that opportunity right out the gate to go ahead and play a lot of young guys and still have the luxury of knowing that you still have three more you can play some of these guys in if you want to without burning a year of eligibility. That's going to do it for a Monday, midday Monday edition of the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, uh, it would be an honor to have you subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you consume your podcast content, you can do that. It's the Built by Bama online podcast. While you're there, if you don't mind, leave us a review. We would certainly appreciate that as well. Now, coming up the rest of the day on Monday, 
you're going to have a Charlie Potter practice report coming up. Alabama set to return to practice. It's a rainy day here in Tuscaloosa. You talk about a case of the Mondays. It's been a perfect day for this weather. It has been raining pretty much since daybreak in Tuscaloosa. And we're not complaining. We could use it. I'm not complaining. I can tell you that. Um, So the expectation, and even if it were warm and dry outside, this may be the case because of Saturday's game being indoors on turf. There's the possibility that Alabama still would have gone indoors today. Well, I think it's pretty much assured uh, right here around 1 o'clock Central on Monday that that will probably be the case later today. But Charlie's going to have you covered either way. He's going to have that practice report up for you. Um, We're going to have continuing coverage, both from a team and recruiting perspective, as we move throughout the weeks to come, as you know, at BamaOnline.com. But keep it right here. Keep it on the Built by Bama online podcast. We're going to have these dropping on a pretty consistent basis for you. And until we join you again, thanks once again for joining us right here on the pod. And we'll talk to you again real soon.